text this morning is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Immediately, many of you know that verse of Scripture comes to mind. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. This is my story. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. When the Lord revealed Christ to me in the Gospel, this verse became a very precious truth to me. Yet in the beginning, I confess, I struggled with assurance. And the reason that I did is the reason pretty much everyone does is because I looked within to find that assurance and it was not to be found there. Not within. There was no evidence within that old things had passed away and all things had become new. It seemed that in me, that is in my flesh, as Paul said, everything looked pretty much the same. But now I see that I had missed two great truths found in this text. And when God called me by His grace and saved me by His mercy and grace, First, my position, my place was in Christ. And secondly, my character, my nature was a new creature, a new creation. Mr. Spurgeon once said that in connection with Christ, there are three stages of the human soul. One, without Christ, our position by nature. Secondly, in Christ, which is the state of grace. And thirdly, with Christ, which is our state of glory. So let's consider first the believer's position. This is not the world's position. This is the believer's position. They are said to be in Christ. Every believer at first was in the first Adam. Adam was man's federal head. Adam represented every single man and woman born of woman. And if Adam had kept the command of God, every man and woman would have been forever blessed. But Adam partook of the forbidden and he fell and all of us fell in him. I've heard... It said that if you're wrong about the fall, then you're wrong about it all. And that's true. Sin fell upon every man and woman because he, Adam, was our covenant head and representative and we fell in him. But for some, for some, not all, but for some, those whom God foreknew, those whom God predestinated, those whom would be conformed to Christ and perfectly restored, God called and God justified 
by the sacrifice of Himself. That's what it is to be in Christ. So Christ, the second Adam, the only other representative man before God, the heavenly man, He who knew no sin was made to be sin. The Lord from heaven became the propitiation for all His people's sin. Propitiation. Not easy to say, but what a glorious word it is. It's the act of appeasing God. Propitiation. It's the act of satisfying God Almighty whom we have offended. Being in Christ is the only way to regain the favor of God. And this is the atonement of God. It's the act of at one meant. It's a good way to, to define it. Being made one with God. God's law is kept in Christ. God's justice is satisfied in Christ. And the believer, the one who believes and trusts in Him, is a new creation in Him. Jesus Christ reconciles us to God. Jesus Christ makes us at one with Him. So by being in Christ, we are by union with Christ reconciled to God. Isn't that good news? The Lord Jesus is the only one who can make us one with the holy God whom we have offended. And this propitiation, this atonement, this satisfaction, this reconciliation always has something to do with blood throughout the Scriptures. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 tells us, "...and having made peace through the blood of His cross..." That's speaking of Christ's cross, His crucifixion, "...by Him to reconcile..." all things unto Himself. If you and I are going to be reconciled, made at one with God, Christ's blood has to be shed for us. This is why the Gospel message is Christ and Him crucified. In the Old Testament, when you find that word reconciliation, you'll most every time find the shedding of blood by a sacrifice. In Leviticus chapter 8, I won't turn you here, we're told that Moses brought a bullock for the sin offering and Aaron and his sons, the high priest and the priest of God, laid their hands upon the head of that bullock for the sin offering. And it was then that Moses slew it and took the blood and put it upon the altar, purifying the altar to make reconciliation upon it. There's reconciliation in one place upon the altar. Christ is the altar. Christ is a sacrifice. And friends, it's His blood that was shed that makes us new creatures in Christ. In the book of 2 Chronicles, he goats were brought for the sin offering and again the priest laid hands upon them and he killed them and they made reconciliation with the blood upon the altar to make atonement. For all Israel. And Hebrews 9.22 tells us, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sin. Beloved of God, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God 
slain from the foundation of the world. He is the sin offering for all His people, spiritual Israel. I put a marker here in 2 Corinthians. We'll come back to it and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul here writing to the church at Ephesus and speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ wrote to the church, believers at Ephesus. And in verse 12, he said, There was a time that we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you see that? In Christ Jesus, ye who, were, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one, that's speaking of Jew and Gentile, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in Himself of twain, Jew and Gentile alike, one new man, a new creature, a new creation. So making peace. Peace between man and God. Peace between the believer and His Holy Creator. Verse 16, And that He, Christ, might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And He came and preached peace to you which were far off, speaking of the Gentiles, and to them that were nigh, speaking of the Jews. Now look at verse 18. For through Him, through Christ, we both, Jew and Gentile alike, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. We who were alienated, aliens, strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, are now given access to God the Father. How? Through Jesus Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye... All believers are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ. In Christ. The obedience of Christ is the obedience of all His people. In Christ we live on earth. In Christ we die. And in Christ we will rise. Look up at verse 6 in Ephesians 2. It says and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Just as the animals and the eight souls were preserved from the flood of God's wrath against sin went through that one door of the ark. That, that door is Christ. The Lord shut them in. He shut them up in Christ. The ark. He's our ark. 
And we are in the same sense in Christ. Christ is the ark that God provided for His chosen people in the day of His holy judgment and justice. We trust Christ. We give up all other hope. We trust in what Christ alone did. And He becomes to us our ark. And we are in Him, in Christ. Isn't that a beautiful illustration? Jesus Christ is the ark of God. Those that are in Him are safe from God's wrath. You outside that ark, you're going to drown in the wrath of God. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Just as the Israelite who unintentionally slew another might flee to a city of refuge provided throughout Canaan, we must flee to Christ our refuge. That's what we spoke about in the first hour. Christ our refuge. And what a refuge He is. What security He is. What safe haven He is. What safety we find in Him. God, Christ is God's eternal city of refuge. We've offended, we've slain, we've murdered the commandments of God. And we must flee for our lives and enter into Christ, our city of refuge. Where vengeance cannot reach us. Where we can be safe forevermore. As the branches in the vine, so are we in Christ. We receive all our nourishment, all our vitality, all our fruit-bearing power from Christ the vine with which we are united. Mm-hmm. Our Lord said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And for without me, you can do nothing. Do you suppose the Lord meant nothing there? That's what he said. It doesn't mean something, a little something. It means you can't do nothing. The phrase in Christ has great meaning. I forget how many times, over 70 sometimes in the Scriptures, we read that phrase in Christ or in Christ Jesus. How do we come to be there in Christ? Well, only when we lean our soul wholly upon the beloved Son of God in whom we are accepted. Where are we accepted? In the beloved. That's speaking of Christ. Only when we desperately cling to the crucified one. Only when we embrace our bridegroom, which no divorce can separate us from. Uh, For this message, I looked up every time the phrase in Scripture in Christ is used. And as I said, over 70 sometimes. I want to give you just a few. And I think it'll be a great encouragement to you. It, it ought to be. In Christ, there is redemption. Romans 3.24 Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's where redemption is. It's in Christ. In Christ, there is no condemnation. In Christ, there is the Spirit of life, Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to them, who? Which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. In Christ, there is inseparable love. 
Romans 8, 39, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Christ, we have wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Everything that God requires the believer is made that in Christ Jesus. In Christ we have hope and we're made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 19-22. In this life only, we have hope in Christ. There's no hope anywhere else. We've read many times that, that we have hope only in Him. Without God and without hope in this world, but in Christ we have hope. In this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of men most miserable, but now in Christ, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, listen, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. All His people. Everyone that Christ died for is going to be made alive. In Christ we're triumphant. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ. In Christ we have liberty. We have freedom. Galatians 2.4 Paul wrote that false brethren came in privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ. That's the only place we have freedom in Christ. That they might bring us into bondage. In Christ we're made faithful. Ephesians 1.1 Paul begins his letter addressed to the saints of God and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. In Christ we believers are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Verse 3 of Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ we're God's workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath both before ordained that we should walk in them. In Christ, we have consolation, comfort, fellowship, and mercy. Philippians 2.1 If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercies, it's in Christ that these, are, these things are found. Nowhere else. Oh, isn't that a, a blessed thought? In Christ. In Christ, we have a high calling. Philippians 3.14, we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ we're made thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Grace, faith, and love found in Christ. 1 Timothy 1.14, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That's where God's love is found. That's where God's 
grace is found. That's where God's mercy is found. That's where our forgiveness is found. In Christ Jesus. In Christ we're saved and called. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given us. Do you want to know where? In Christ Jesus. Before the world began. In Christ we're made strong in grace. Paul told Timothy to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. In Christ our salvation is obtained. In 2 Timothy 2.10, Paul said, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In Christ we live and suffer persecution. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And in Christ, we have peace. Do you have peace this morning? If you're in Christ, you should. First Peter 5.14, Peter ended his first epistle by saying, Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Because there is no peace anywhere else. No peace at all. What a wonderful privilege to be found in Christ Jesus. Every believing sinner is in Christ Jesus. Not the world as a whole. The Lord didn't pray for the world, did He? He said, I, I, I pray not for the world. I pray for them which Thou hast given Me, which God gave Him. John seventeen nine. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him in Christ should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, Brother David, I thought you believed in election. I thought only the elect will be saved. That's right. Whosoever believes in Him is the elect of God. Now, I want to spend our remaining time considering the character of the child of God. It's said that if any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creature, a new creation. King Saul, you remember King, David's father-in-law? He prophesied among the prophets. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10, the people said unto one another, is Saul also among the prophets? Uh, he was an evil king, Saul was. Had Saul been converted and made a prophet well, the Scriptures say that He was given another heart, but it didn't say He was given a new one. And in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 10, the Scriptures say that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And, he, and David played the harp with his hand and as at other times, and there was a javelin in uh, Saul's hand. And Saul cast that javelin, for he said, I'll smite David even to the wall with it. This happened on two different occasions. And Saul was afraid of David. The Scripture says, because the Lord was with him and the Lord had departed from Saul. Saul's character proved that he was not a new creature. Not a new creation. Friends, conversion, salvation is often described in the Scriptures as healing. Those that are well, righteous in their own eyes, have no need of a physician. But you know who goes to the doctor? Those who 
are sick and afflicted. That great captain, Naaman, he went down the Jordan River full of leprosy. And he washed himself there and he came up the seventh time and his flesh was clean like a little child. Someone once said, smoother than a baby's behind. Well, but he was by no means a new creature. A man or woman may be washed from outward leprosy, uh, but to be in Christ, there must be an inward work accomplished for them. You follow me? This is not an outward thing. This is an inward thing. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. When I look back on my past, that's the best news I ever heard. Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leopard remove his spots? Can a sinner that is accustomed to doing evil do good? He's got to become a new creation. Even if an Ethiopian could change his skin, and even if a leopard could change his spots, the Ethiopian would still be black in his heart, and the leopard would still remain a leopard. The improvement could not be called a new creation. So a sinner can give up every outward lust and weep and be sorrowful forever over their sin and be not considered a new creation. How does this new creation come about? Well, in the first Adam, the chosen sinner is judged and condemned, weighed in the balances and what? Found wanting. But when His punishment is laid upon Christ, His substitute, His sacrifice, His surety and His Savior, they're born again as a new creation. So in the second representative man, the sinner is legally before the bar of God's justice made just that. A new creature. A new creation. The sinner who believes in Christ and by faith, by believing, is found in Him. And they find themselves completely pardoned by the sin-atoning blood sacrifice of the One who loved them and gave Himself for them. They love Christ. They love the God who gave Christ to be their redemption. They, the God they once hated without a cause, they now love. Why? Because God's given them a new heart. God's made them a new creature. God has made them a new creation. They once hated God. And now they love Him. The God from whom they once hid and had no interest in, they openly and constantly desire communion and fellowship with Him now. Why is that? God has made them a new creation in Christ. Grace doesn't reform us. Grace recreates us. Creation is the work of God. It's a divine working of the Creator. The new creature is the work of God. And it's the work of God in Christ. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of 
God. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. We were talking in the, in the men's meeting about uh, you know, bowing to the providence of God even in government issues. And you may like the president and you may not. And you may want another president and you may or may not get it. But I'm going to tell you one thing. God Almighty is behind who's there. And we ought to bow and submit ourselves to His providence. Let ever so be subject unto the higher powers. Why? Because there's no power but that of God's. Mankind in and of themselves cannot come to Christ for life. I don't know why people think that they have a free will and the ability to come to Christ and make a difference in their lives. For who maketh thee to differ? What do you have you didn't receive? And if you received it, why do you glory in it? It was given to you of God. God made the difference. Man cannot come to Christ for life. John 6, 44, I'm sorry. And they will not come to Christ for life. John 5, 40. Man doesn't have the ability to come. Man doesn't have the will to come. Man doesn't have the power to give himself life. Man doesn't have the power to make himself to differ. How then is a man born of God and made a new creation? Let me tell you, the psalmist told us. He said, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. That's the only way. The power of God. The power of God. Who helped God create the world? No one. Nobody. When God created the world out of nothing, who or what was there to help Him do so? In the new creation, there's nothing within us that could help Him. I don't know why folks don't have any problem at all with God alone creating the world, but when it comes to the creation of of a new heart within a man, a man becoming a new creation, that they somehow miraculously uh, uh, helped God do it. In the new creation, there's nothing within us that could help Him, but there was much within us that could and did oppose Him. Our stubborn wills, I'm going to talk about man's will. What a stubborn will we have. Our dark prejudices. Our love for iniquity. This is the condemnation. The men love darkness rather than light. Opposed, we oppose the very one who gives life. We will not have this man rule over us. And yes, there was darkness in the first creation. And God said, like me, and light was. By nature, we love darkness rather than light. Why? Because our deeds were evil. And our deeds were evil because we're evil. But like in the first creation, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. Tom, He moved upon the deep recesses of man's heart. 
And He took out that heart of stone and He put in a heart of flesh that beats and pants to be like their God. God did that. Don't you take credit for what you didn't do. Who maketh thee to differ? What do you have that you didn't receive? Nothing. God gave it all. The same Spirit moved upon the deep recesses of the chosen sinner's being and their soul yielded to His life. Friends, it had no choice. We read the verse earlier in Romans chapter 13, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. No power but that power which is of God. The powers that are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. For who hath resisted His will? Romans 9.19 In the first creation of the world, God first gave light and afterwards He gave life. He made the worlds, prepared the world. And then He formed man out of the dust of the ground and He breathed into him the breath of life. And it's the same in the new creation. For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts in those deep, dark recesses. He shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's only in Christ. In Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That which is dead cannot comprehend anything. Not until life is given to see and to comprehend. John the Baptist, he wasn't the light. He said so. He said, I'm not the light. I'm sent to bear witness of that light. Jesus Christ is the true light. And it's in Christ that we have that light and that life. And as many as received, bowed, subjected. That's what the word means. It's not like that, you know, we cooperated and interjected something that caused us to do we received, you know, like we did something. No, that means bowed and subjected themselves unto Him. To them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. This book is so specific about that. Salvations of the Lord. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. And it's He that makes us righteous. God sent Christ into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. That's why this new creation in Christ is not speaking of our human and physical birth. Salvation's not of blood. That's why we're not born of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man. A dead man and woman has no will. A man that is born again is born of God. In Christ. It's a divine work because it's a a new creation. Only God could speak the worlds into existence from nothing. And only God can speak life and light into our dead and nothing hearts. How long has it been since the world saw a new creation? <laughs> Oftentimes, geologists have imagined to have found a new creation, but it was not. Teresa and I was 
watching a, a little show. I, I forget what it's called now, but it's, but anyway, they scientists or whatever were listening and they thought that they had found a new marine creature because they were hearing these noises. And it, it turned out to be the, the glaciers up in the high country uh, melting and rubbing together or whatever, you know. Uh, what would mankind think if the Almighty God formed and sent a new creature among us? You know, mankind would be delighted because mankind's always seeking something new, some new thing. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Spiritual life is not so, though. Being in Christ, being a new creature, a new creation, happens day in and day out without any notice from the world. To the child of God, this new creation grows sweeter and brighter and fresher every single day. Doesn't it? It never grows old. And if the Lord has given you light and life, you need not fear that He'll leave you to perish. If He'd meant to destroy you, why, He would have just left you alone unto yourself. The Lord didn't save us so that He might condemn us. People say, oh, I don't believe in that election stuff. God doesn't elect people unto damnation. Well, Salvation is a new creation by God. And if God, it's God alone that works it. And being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. It's God that worketh in you to will and do of His good pleasure. It's God that gives you life eternal. It's God that puts you in Christ. It's God that makes you a new creation and gives you a new heart that beats and pants after Him. God gets all the glory. We don't get any. We didn't do anything. God will preserve you. God will nurture you. He'll present you faultless before His presence with exceeding joy if you are in Christ Jesus. And if you're not, then you're not a new creature. Are you a new creature? Are you born again as a new creation? Are you in Christ? If you're not, I pray that you might be right now. May God be pleased to make it so. For His glory, our good, and for Christ's sake. Thank you for your attention. Okay, Shelly.